We're bringing you all you need to succeed in the real estate business. It's Spilling the LT, brought to you by Lawyer's Title, telling you what it's really like to work in real estate. Today, we're going to talk about everyday challenges in the real estate transaction contract to close. But first, I'm Tamara Gady. I'm your host of another episode of Spilling the LT. And if you like the content that we're putting out, I hope that you'll give us an opportunity to earn your business. And in order to do that, you need to have a chance to get to know my escrow team. So I'm very excited about my guest today. Today, I have on the show with me Kelly Berry, who is our branch manager of the Frisco office, but also uh, one of our escrow officers. She's got 21 years in the business. And I also have with me Rachel Shelton, who is one of our vice presidents and escrow officers in our Frisco office as well. She's been doing this for 11 years. And the really cool part about this is I have the number one and number two top escrow officers in our company, and they are within the top 10% in our Fidelity family of companies nationwide. So these ladies really know their stuff. And I'm blessed to have them come on the show with me today. You know, I came on board with a lawyer's title. It's been almost four years now. And they already had really established relationships and businesses. And one of the really special parts of coming on to uh, this particular, coming into this particular office is that they were really welcoming to me. And we've really collaborated, collaborated as team members and also as friends. And so I think it gives us a really special environment and it comes across to our clients and to the people that we partner with. So I couldn't wait to have them on the show because, well, we all know this is an extremely aggressive market and there's a lot of challenges that are happening because of the inventory shortage and the rise in interest rates and how aggressive things are for our lender and realtor partners. And so I just kind of wanted them to come in, talk a little bit today about their background, how their teams operate, what makes us special, because there's a lot of things that make us special, and then just kind of address some of the common threads that we're seeing every day in our real estate transactions when the contract comes into closing. So Without further ado, welcome to the show, Rachel and Kelly. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for Thank having you us. Thank you for having us. I'm super excited, ladies. I haven't had you on the show yet, and so I feel like that's just my fault. But um, I think that we did a lot of prep for today, and we wanted to make sure that what we were talking about would bring a lot of value to, our, to the people that will hear this podcast. So before we get started and dive into some of the questions, let's talk about your backgrounds a little bit. How did you build your team? How, who's on your team, how you got here, kind of what you enjoy best about your business. Kelly, let's start with you. So my team, I, I really consider my team the entire Frisco office since I manage. <laughs> it so, is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, I started this team in 2011. That's when uh, Keith Williams um, brought me over to Lawyer's Title. And, you know, we started with three people. And we've built that team to 16 people now. It's incredible, and, yeah, like the growth it, that our office is. has enjoyed over the last, yeah. even just a couple of years, and few years since I've been on board. Absolutely. So, you know, I can honestly say I, I didn't do it by myself. There's been, you know, a lot of helping hands along the way. Um, definitely, um, you know, you have to have the business in order to build a team. So really, it was about building the business 
in order to have a team. So, um, you know, we were able to recruit the right people and um, that had the business, um, build on that business, and then we were able to add, you know, support staff. Um, you know, our leadership team of Brandy and Keith, you know, they were very good at recruiting the right people. And, you know, we brought on escrow officers like Rachel, and yep. we brought on, you know, Christy, Jackie, and all these ladies had business, which allowed us to, gr you know, grow the support team as well. And then we have, you know, our, our great salespeople, which are you, George, and Christine. And so bringing in that business has, you know, allowed us to, to grow our team even bigger. So, you know, I really attribute it to, to all the people that, you know, I work with. Well, and I think I think one of the really special things about our office is that we also have a lot of fun together. You know, I come definitely. to the office, I'll pop in for an hour or two and cause yeah. a big ruckus and, and ask everybody what's going on. And we talk about TikToks and we laugh a lot. And, yeah. you know, so I think that it's just really that culture that uh, we have in our office that I think makes us really special and makes us work really cohesively together, you know. Definitely. And we've enjoyed a lot of success because of it. And so part of that has to do with you, Rachel. Why don't you talk about your team, Miss okay. Number One in the company? <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, I joined the Lawyer's Title family in 2017. Yep. And since then, we've grown quite a bit. Um, I have three young ladies on my team, which are fantastic. Um, I attribute a lot of our success to them directly. They're amazing. I can't do everything. Yes, they're amazing. It allows me to get away and do things like this every once in a while. Um, I think that one of the things that have made me successful at Lawyer's Title is servant leadership. I think that Kelly, I think that Brandy and Keith are all servant leaders, meaning they build us up and give us all the resources to be successful instead of dictatorship style. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and that's how I run my team. And I think that's what's made it very successful is making my girls happy makes the work go better. <laughs> <laughs> happy, happy wife, happy life. Exactly. You know, it applies to the team as well. Yes, it does. <laughs> well, I think, you know, if you're in real estate right now, you're just working your tail off all of the time. And, yeah. um, you, you know, especially during, uh, starting March of 2020 going through last year, I mean, you guys were working tirelessly to make sure that, you know, everything closed on time and was super smooth and, you know, that, and, and you're really good at helping me as a salesperson, keep our clients happy, which is a big key to our partnership because I can't do everything that I do without you. And we were kind of, I was kind of talking about that this morning when I rolled in all a little frazzled is that, you know, you have to have that escrow officer partner and buy-in to yeah. keeping our clients because we have a lot of competition out there and yeah. it's super aggressive. And so, and, and no one person can do it by themselves. And I think that's kind of what you're, that resonates what you just said is that we're all a team and we all have team members and making sure that we work hard and play hard and are really happy together. I think it's super important. Yeah. So, you know, I thank you so much you, to both of you for helping me with my success for sure. So, um, Let's kind of dive right in. I'm one of those kind of ladies that likes to <laughs> let, like let's get into the meat. Um, you know, we've been talking. There, there's been a lot of things that have come up because of this market, right? 
and they have become challenges, not just for you guys, but also our realtor and lender clients. And I always like to talk about common threads of what's what's happening. You know, what what are we seeing that we're talking that we're having to deal with over and over and over again? And can you guys shed some insight about the best practice, the way to move through a challenge? We always want to present a challenge and then present a solution, right? Mm-hmm. So I think the first thing, let's talk about terminate and contract terminations because October 2020 is when I remember seeing the termination skyrocket. It was incredible how many people were putting in contracts terminating, but we all know the reasons why the contracts were terminating, right? But there's also logistical concerns. You go under contract, you terminate, you, you're in the middle of the option. And so one of the things you guys started seeing was the earnest and option money Funds not being, being delivered. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes. So why not, who wants to take that one and kind of address... I can do that. What we saw, what we've been seeing, and then how we're how we as a title company are kind of working through those things with our realtor partners. Yeah, some of the phone calls that I've received um, over the past two years uh, have a lot to do with buyers not depositing earnest and option money, and of course the contract changed to where we're now receiving the option. Um, Yay! Yes, <laughs> I know. Um, so yes, you have to have option and earnest money to make a valid contract. However, you can't really force a buyer to turn it in. So um, we kind of recognize a new contract being executed as the seller's acknowledgement of that first termination if we don't receive option and earnest money. So um, that's kind of how we've had to roll with that because yeah. we're not debt collectors and we, we can't chase after everyone who wants to, doesn't want to pay option. I mean, sometimes realtors aren't even in contact with their buyers anymore after they refuse to pay the option and earnest money. So right. it's, it's kind of impossible for us too. So um, that's kind of how my team has been working everything. Kelly, are you... I, I mean, same same challenges that Rachel's team has. Um, you know, it, it's really hard for us to to chase down buyers when they don't want to, you know, deposit those funds. Well, how, you can't make someone do that. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we can't make I mean, anyone do, do anything. anything. <laughs> actually, um, I wish we could, but we can't. Oh, um, how this would change, <laughs> right? <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, same challenges for all the escrow officers in the office. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's probably a pretty common thread. One of the other things that I've been, this isn't on my note sheet. And so don't expect all my questions to be on my note sheet, but okay. Okay. (laughs) you know, one of the things I I remember being on vacation, sitting down around top in some sort of vintage shop, digging through old stuff and get a call from one of our clients, Kelly and contract terminated. We had the earnest money. They wanted the earnest money. Nobody was releasing the earnest money. And Mm -hmm. what do you do? And and so that was another common thing that I think came out of it. They did deliver earnest an option and the contract terminated and it's past the option period, right? But now right. we've got to fight over the earnest money and who right. wins and who gets the earnest money. And so I think, you know, I started hearing about negotiations, about splitting it and those sorts of things. But a lot of the resolution has been, here's their referral to a real estate attorney, right? You know? Yeah. Unfortunately. And so I think that's the important part to kind of take out of this is we can't get in the middle of all of those fights. And some of this is comes down to a legal issue and definitely issues between the, the contracted parties. Right. And we've got to kind of do our best to help as much as we can, but you know, the dog fight's got to continue outside of the dog. 
someone will eventually give in because they want to sell their house. That's what that's what ends up happening. But I always tell both parties they need to come to an agreement because at the end of the day, that's what has to happen. Okay, question. Contract terminates. We still have earnest money. Backup contract comes in. Any issues with that? Well, um, we usually require that the earnest money is re is resolved, the dispute on the prior, yeah. before we will close on a second. Yeah. That's the conversation that we have with our agents. You know, I just, everybody's so, it's so hot and so hard and so aggressive right now. And um, I, I know that that's also a common issue that we're having to deal with too. They're ready so. to jump on the next one immediately, yeah, immediately. and roll forward when we're not done with the first one. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah. So I think um, our, you know, the fact that <laughs> I had a client post on Facebook, I need a real estate attorney. And I was like, I called her. I was like, I love you, honey, but we are called lawyers title. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. I can help you with a real estate attorney. <laughs> right. And so I think that's a good thing to understand is that, you know, we want to help our clients as much as possible, but there is a point in which we need to have an attorney step in and kind of help navigate through the waters right. and, we, and our attorneys don't actually do that. We'll refer someone to a, a partner of ours to, yeah. to assist with them. It needs to be a, a neutral third party. But I think it's really good that we have such a strong oh, relationship, sure. you know, with Definitely. the ones that we do refer and mm -hmm. we don't, you know, they, they understand the situation and always make us really make you guys look good, good. at the end yes, of the transaction. Sure. So that's super important. Um, kind of moving on to the next topic. So we've had a big change this year in the homestead exemption laws. And I am getting some questions about, um, you know, what is, what is the new, you know, what are we supposed to do now? Right. So do you guys want to kind of talk about, um, the new, the change it, like what the new homestead exemption law is and how this affects the buyer and the seller once they close on the transaction? Sure. Some of this is still kind of in the unknown because this is our first year, but yeah. now you can immediately file for your homestead exemption. Whereas in the past you had to wait through January 1. So if you right. purchased in the middle of the year, you had to wait to file your exemption. Um, but now you can do it immediately. Um, we are passing out the applications at closing, but you can do it online with the central yeah, appraisal district. Yeah, it's a big stack of that yes. stuff at the, in the and office. And the applications are not updated yet. We checked with the central appraisal di right. district yesterday, and it still says you have to wait. But you can do it immediately now. Um, the unknown that we have um, is, you know, in the past, disabled veteran, disabled person over 65, if that person were to move and take that exemption with them, the exemption they had on the property would lift from the property, meaning the end buyer would be subject to the full tax bill. Um, so we're thinking that that's going to be something that happens with Homestead now. If a person sells a house and they buy a new house, that exemption is also going to lift. But we can never what really... Explain how it lifted. So, I mean, they move it. So they remove it from the previous property, meaning... The buyer from the buyer their sale, does that. right, would yeah. not receive that benefit for the year, which okay, is how yeah. the other exemptions work. And now that you can file this one immediately, we're thinking, again, you can never tell what they're going to do until they do it, Sure, um, that it's also going to lift. And so that buyer would not have that exemption. Anymore. So buyer buys house, buyer calls the appraisal district, I mean, um, the county, right? And says, I want to file my homestead exemption. They turn in the paperwork. And then we think that they're also going to have to say, I need to remove it from my previous property or that would right. be part of the application. Right. Did so you because own? people that are selling homes are also buying homes, they're going to want to move their exemption because you can immediately file it, meaning you have to call and have it removed from the previous property. Right. So in the past, our buyers are used to having that full benefit through the end of the year, at least on Homestead. Yeah. We think that will change. 
So the paperwork that or the, the the materials that we've kind of posted about it, and I had this question from a realtor is when this year, like, is there a deadline or, you know, when they can file their homestead, the, the forms that we have say they have through the end of the year. Right. So they have mm-hmm. to still file in the current year that they bought the house. It just doesn't matter how fast or how slow they do it, just as long as they do it within the year. Right. I mean, everyone should try to, if you're buying a home, get your driver's license updated because you'll have to have the new address on your driver's license to be eligible to file. Once you have that done, it just needs to be something that you do immediately. Well, and because the tax benefit uh, applies right away. It does. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So the longer out. you wait, mm-hmm. the, the more you're paying higher Correct. taxes on Correct. your house. Take it Who if wants you can to get do it. that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's kind of important. And, and, you know, I think it's key that we're kind of providing information to the new buyer yes, about what table. to do. That's a big deal. Um, especially with the change, you know, people just have to, it takes a minute for people to understand to the process. Sure. Any idea, and I'm not trying to pigeonhole you, but any idea how fast uh, it would like, can they do that? What has to happen before they can do that? Again, just your driver's license updated. They okay. can file it as long as the county has it updated by the time the tax bill comes That's out. That's what I'm trying. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, they'll update it before then. It's not like you can really, I mean, you could go to the website and see if there's an exemption on there, but they've been so far behind for years that yeah. it, during COVID they got behind. So it, it may not even say that, but once you get your tax bill, it should be on there. Okay. Anything else you guys think they need to know? People need to know about homestead exemption. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> do, it, do it. Do it fast. Let's talk about fraud. Oh, oh let's talk fun. about. <laughs> well, let's talk about how we keep information secure. How we help make sure that our clients receive in the right instructions from the right people. How we help make sure that you know we don't have some sort of issue with funds not being received. Received. Mm-hmm. by us <laughs> because right. we know there's a lot of overseas buyers right now. And, right. you know, we've had a lot of, everybody's had a lot of situations where somebody's reaching out to an agent, wants to buy a house. They may or may not be a real buyer. <laughs> some of that. Yes. It's been interesting. But there's mm-hmm. also everyone that has a responsibility to help keep information secure. Sure. Right. And I think Absolutely. we're really, really good at keeping information secure. So yes. do you want to talk, do you want to take this one, Kelly, where we kind of talk about so, I the mean, process? Definitely. So the way to keep people's information secure. So we like to gather information up front from our buyers and sellers. That just helps us process the transaction. There's certain information that we need from sellers and buyers to help us, you know, process the file. So we have an application now called in here. And as long as we have your client's cell phone number and email address, an email will go out to your clients. And that's what allows us to gather this pertinent information in a secure fashion. So, um, you know, so that's one thing that we've implemented, you know, within the past year. Uh, Another thing, you know, that's really big is, you know, wire fraud, obviously, you know, people are really reluctant to send wires these days because of all the wire fraud that's happened. Um, But the, the way to avert wire fraud really is for us to send those wiring instructions to you securely to 
to, to the buyer to, to the end buyer only. <laughs> yeah. This is very important, kids. This okay. is very important. <laughs> so we have a lot of times where realtors will ask us to send, you know, those wiring instructions to them, and that's really a no-no. I mean, it's they, a no-no, they yeah. don't want to be. It's Nobody wants to they don't take that be on. Involved in that, yeah. right? So really. You know, we only need to be sending the wiring instructions to the buyer only. Yeah. And then also, you know, part of that in here, you know, part of that process, they're signing off on our wire fraud alert. Yeah. So that's in the process. It's it's telling them what our wiring instructions are. And it's also telling them if you receive wiring instructions that deviate from this, from anyone else, they're fraudulent. And, and they sign off on that. And, and I think, you know, the hard part is these email addresses, you know, these emails come from what looks like a oh, super yeah. valid resource, right? But they're sure. not. And no. we go through, which have y'all done your, your training yet? <laughs> I know yeah. Rachel is on your to-do list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, we go through, I, I think that's one of the things that separates us as part of the Fidelity family of companies is that they do take constant training, constant, training, mm-hmm. constant um, ways to, to look for things. We have special triggers in our emails that we can report phishing emails. They're very secure. And so I think that that's one of the things that makes us really special is the fact that we have to do so much ongoing due diligence and staying on top of these things. And so, you know, as an investor, I've bought several houses and we've closed all of them with lawyers because why would I close anywhere else? <laughs> and uh, that's been a deal. I was like, this is a deal breaker. <laughs> of course. Of course. Else. But um, I've been through the in here process of the mobile deposit feature and providing my information. And I think it's pretty simple. Super easy. Great way to collect it. And it's all electronic. Your people don't have to fill anything you out. You literally yeah. fill out some blanks. Yeah. Take a picture of your check mm-hmm. and you're done. It takes less than five minutes yes. and it's super secure. So, and then you always get the email, the secure email, right? With the wiring instructions. And I think it's a good, you guys have talked about this several times where it's good for the buyer to pick up the phone and call you directly. Yeah. Our wiring instructions actually have the procedure on what to do on how to verify them. So you call our office and now go back and forth to verify them. Yeah. It's super important that people do that. I think, I think in this age, it's, you just, you can't be too careful because you send funds to the wrong place. What are the chances you're going to get them back? Yeah. yeah. Not great. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And we've, we've had some of those, you know, not very often, but maybe I've maybe heard about one or two where we've had a Thankfully, situation. that's not happened to me. Yeah. It's got to be a really difficult situation. So I think the important thing to take out of this to my realtor friends is that allow us to be your partner and help you make sure that your buyers are getting their funds d- deposited in the right place and trust us to make sure that we're going to do that in a very secure way and that we're going to you know, and, and, and it's not really a part of the process that you should try to be involved in. Let us, right. let us do our job. Right. Yeah. Well, and on that note, I just want to say we do not take ACH transfers yep. and our wiring instructions actually say that in big letters at the bottom of it. So make sure you're sending an actual manual wire. It does cost about 30 bucks depending on the bank, but your money will be in limbo if you send a, an, a regular draft, an ACH draft. Super important to to give that information to your buyers. Well, and I think in the transaction process right now, you're paying so much money for so many things. Why would you 
Mm-hmm. You must have seen my post last week. <laughs> when you're paying a hundred thousand over ask on every yeah. property, don't skimp on the wire fee. Yeah, don't skip on the wire fee because I think that's. I mean, obviously, that's the the best way to try to do this. And so we we get a, you know we don't have to go into all the stories because we don't want to call anybody about, out. But we have gotten a lot of interesting request of how to deliver money. Absolutely. Yes, yes we yes. have. Bags of cash, also not accepted. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was really funny that day. <laughs> it's okay. That story. I don't even know, like, I wouldn't even feel comfortable. Like, if I have $500 in my wallet, I'm I'm like, yeah, it's a little much for me. <laughs> right. Like, trying to withdraw money. thousands, right? <laughs> And bring them up. And no, we don't take puppies or baby goats or yes. <laughs> Bitcoin. Even oh, yeah. Really the cute. Bitcoin's the big thing right <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah. Do we yeah. take Bitcoin? And no, Fidelity does not take Bitcoin at this time. You know, we had a we have a lender client that brought that up. Um, right. She, she's Her company is able to accept yes. digital coin for, uh, yeah, for real estate transactions. Yes. And okay. She was asking, this is the first and only one I've heard of in the mm-hmm. lender world that's mm-hmm. able to do that. Um, you know, everything, things are changing. Things we'll are see. changing. We'll see. Yeah. But there's no regulatory anything when it comes to the digital coin. So I think it's, while I know there's a lot of people making a lot of money, you can cash it out and turn it into real dollars and then send us a Yes, <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So next topic, I think, um, we really need to talk about, what you guys need as help from our realtor partners to set expectations with sellers and buyers. Because, you know, the contract comes in and there's critical dates, timeline, and things that you guys have to adhere to as terms in the contract. Um, But I know that there's things that we can provide as education to our realtors so they can pass it on to their sellers and buyers and help set better expectations so that they're prepared when we call and ask sure. for things. So, Rachel, you want to take sure. some of this one and, and let's yeah, talk about I'll some say, setting expectations? Yeah. Um, I, on the listing side of things, I think that one thing that realtors really need to prepare, and, and some of them still do not um, prepare their sellers for, is that we'll be reaching out for possibly nine times out of ten upfront payment for the HOA docs. Okay. Um, they most of the time don't give us enough time, so it is... Time is of the essence. We call the same day. Well, let's uh, back we up. never want to surprise. Go ahead. Okay, back up. Let's talk about what is an appropriate timeline. It's really important because we're not getting enough. And, yeah. then, and then we talk about rush fees and things like that. So um, really, I mean, I always tell people 21 days. You really never know. Each HOA company is different and has different timelines. Some of them don't even rush anymore. Um, so I, as long as you can possibly give, yeah, I say do it. 14 to 21 days for sure. Anything less than that, you can expect us to reach out to you for an extension on the timeline or a rush fee and no one wants to pay more fees to the HOA. And you know, I think it's really interesting because I've had some people say, I, there's no way I could put that in the contract because I'm trying to win the offer. And I'm like, how does how is that a negotiation point? Because... You have, it doesn't, we're subject to what the HOA can do as far as their timeline, right? Right. I mean, I suppose the seller could always order the HOA resell documents as soon as they list the property. And we've got some people doing that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. we do. I do have some agents that ask me, 
you know, I'm listing this property. Can you go ahead and order the HOA docs so we have them uh, immediately available? Smart. Especially if you're going to accept a cash offer and you want to close within, you know, seven days. I think it's just good policy. Okay, so you see the con confliction here, right? Right. We've got 15, 14 to 21 days right. to get HOA docs and you want to close in seven days. Uh-oh. So maybe it's wise <laughs> to get them done up front. Maybe yeah. it's wise to order them early. Okay. And I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, but no, I thought that's that was okay. an important point no, to kind sure. of educate our realtors that it they is. need to put in an appropriate yeah. time. We also on. see a lot of people choosing option number four um, on the HOA addendum, uh, basically saying the buyers don't require it. And we just assume that they're trying to remove the contingencies in the contract that are in option one and two, okay. giving an mm -hmm. objection period. Yeah. So we will, in this market, automatically call the buyer to ask them to pay for the documents too. Okay. So. Um, Something we see a lot of now. Yeah, right? yeah. definitely. So. I think there's been a lot of interesting scenarios that are yeah. obviously coming out of this market. But anyway, yeah. I, I apologize. No, so, that's okay. Tian, you were, you were talking about Tian, your <laughs> seller up to expect our call. Yeah, I think that's probably the most important on the listing side. And then on the buy side, you know, it is their responsibility to deliver, to deliver the earnest and option money. So mm -hmm. um, my team does that day one of the contract. We reach out, but, you know, prepare your people. You know, if you execute it on a Friday, now you're... Now your money's due on Monday. Right, so right. they need to reach out to us um, in the morning on Monday to get it delivered. Uh, we've got several options to do it. Old-fashioned walk-up, overnight delivery. Well, not if you executed Friday, but if you have until Tuesday, we can give you an overnight label. Um, and then we have our mobile deposit. We have wire, and then we have our mobile deposit feature, which you talked about earlier that yeah. comes from in here. Kind of like a banking app where you take a front and back picture of a check, and it, deposit it deposits it remotely from wherever they are. So Well, and I think it's really important for our realtors to know that the listing agents probably have a seller with a backup contract with a higher offer yes. and is happy to terminate the contract. So, yes, right. you know, making sure that you get your earnest and option money in on time. And look, I, we had one where we were frantically trying to figure this out. It was 415, you know, option was due by five. You know, we're, we do everything we can to yeah. help facilitate that. But, mm -hmm. and this was a special situation that will probably never happen again. But, you know, I think, waiting until the last minute to try to figure this out is a real problem, you know? Yeah. For sure. If you give us a little bit of time, we can help you. But if you ask us at five o'clock, it makes yeah. it kind of impossible for us to assist. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think a lot of what you guys see on a regular basis is, I, and the important part out of this section of conversation is, realtors, talk to your sellers. We are going to have to call and collect a credit card. And it's yeah. very weird when you call a seller who has no idea who you are out of the Surprise. Yeah. Right. We need your credit card. I mean, if someone called me up and said, I need your credit card, I'd hang up the phone and then call you back on the yeah. number in double, you know, so, right. you know, help. I think, I think this is a good tip to our realtor clients is just you know, set your sellers up for success and let them well, know help, that we're yeah, going to call. Yeah, help us manage expectations because my my third note was going to be on listing and buy side is that please prepare them that we're going to be reaching out for pertinent information for us to process their file, which includes dates of birth, social security numbers, things like that. I yeah. mean, people don't like to be reached out for that information, but if you prepare them for it, they're less likely to balk at it. So. Yeah. And I, you know, just take a, take a minute. Yeah. Include it as part of your listing presentation, sure. then reiterate it when you execute the contract. Yeah. You know, I think that if you tell them a couple of times that this is going to happen, oh yeah, okay, I'll be I'll be waiting for be lawyers to have a call. Right. Yeah, yeah. it'll help a lot. It'll make things go a lot smoother too. Um, okay, so collection of in personal information, delivery of earnest and options. Don't wait until last minute. And then um, HOA docs, you know, collection of the credit card, that sort of thing. The HOA resale docs. So. Um, let's talk about who needs to execute the contract. 
the actual sellers of the property. <laughs> uh, if they're deceased, they can't execute a contract. No. Yeah. Yeah. I've never seen it done anyways. Yeah. It would scare the living daylights out of me if a dead person went and executed a contract. But anyway. Yeah. yeah. The more information we have up front before a contract is executed, I mean, you can email me or my team and ask, hey, who's supposed to sign our contract? We can tell you pretty quickly. Yeah. You know, we can help you out with just some information that you give us on who's supposed to actually execute. Obviously the buyers, but on the sales side, who's yeah. supposed to execute the contract. Right. And I think we get into some of this world that's really challenging with our investor deals, you know, some of, some of these things where, um, you know, you, you People have, think they can sell a house and they can't. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for, for finishing my sentence because yes. I was trying to uh -huh. formulate the words. <laughs> yeah. We see a lot of that where, and, and yes, mainly on investor deals where, yeah. you know, so-and-so has been living in the house and paying taxes on it for the past year, 10 years or whatever. Well, it doesn't mean you own the house. Yeah. yeah we just have to find that person who it is. And then you really don't have a valid contract. So we have to figure out who that is and get them to sign off yep. on it. Right. And hopefully they're around to do it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because there have been issues where there's been more, more than one person that owns the house and yeah. one of them isn't willing to yeah. sign it. I think Christy had an example of somebody who lived in Mexico and was like, yeah, no. Yeah. Where are they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're in prison. Uh, yeah. Or rehab. Or, you know, where? <laughs> We're in Rome or <laughs> yeah. overseas. MIA. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, the important, that kind of the golden nugget out of this section of the conversation is when you are taking on a listing. Yeah. You Let might, us help you with it. How about a checklist, you know, maybe sure. of questions that you ask, you standardly ask. So if, it, not to put you on the spot, but if you were going to tell someone, tell a realtor what those questions would be, what would you think that they should ask to identify where there could be a potential problem on the, on signing of the contract? Well, there's several main reasons why someone sells a house, right? Yeah. Um, death and divorce are two big ones. Mm -hmm. um, I know those aren't exactly the most comfortable questions to ask, but filtering through those at a listing appointment, I think makes you sound more thorough and prepares your seller more for that. Um, I agree. Ask those questions. It can be real simple. Um, we don't want to find out once we go under contract and we have an issue Yeah. after the fact. So um, also if they have a survey, it's important too. Yeah. Existing survey for the property. How many people have a survey? A lot. I mean, a lot of people do. A lot do. of people do? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I keep all of mine. I mean, yeah. I just didn't know. Like, do people keep I'd that stuff? I'd say 90, probably 90% yeah. of the deals that come through have existing surveys. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So do you have a survey? Who owns the house? Who owns yeah. the house? Are they still with us? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Any divorce. Um, Are y'all happy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a wife? Is she here? Yeah. Just maybe. Right. Just the, yeah. Yeah. Does she live with you uh -huh. still? <laughs> <laughs> Anything else that you guys can think of? Is your snapping? client out of the country? Great question. That's another one. Yeah. yeah. Do they live here? Do they live here? Or do yeah. they live outside of the United States? So tell me why that's important. Well, I mean, that's definitely important because um, of, of the document signing. Who's going to sign? You know, out? who's, how are they going to sign? Yeah. You know, so if you have some, someone outside of the U.S., you know, there's certain criteria that you can meet and we can offer what's called a remote online notarization. Woo-woo. I, I wish know. I could sign all my stuff that way. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, that's something that's come on the scene within the past couple of years, but it's a great innovation. It's it's a service that we offer our clients. Yeah. Um, we 
utilize it all the time. Yeah. And so it, it's definitely something that we can do for our people that are outside of the U.S. Like I said, there's certain criteria that you have to meet, certain equipment that you have to have. Yeah. Um, but that's something that, you know, we can send over to the agents and they can vet their clients to make sure that they meet that criteria. And that's something we can do for them. And I think that platform's grown, obviously, right? Because of COVID and shelter in place and Absolutely. all the, you know, all the We've transition pivoting we had to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, and how many, okay. So, you know, for a lot, we, we had to shift everything that we were doing yes. on how to close a client for so long. Right. Yes. And so now what I think is really interesting is that we can kind of, you know, we have options for whatever somebody wants to do. And, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of our realtor clients are wanting to come back into the office and be a part of the celebra you know, celebration that happens, at, if it's a celebration, yeah. uh, that happens <laughs> at closing. And so right. it's kind of their last touch with their client unless they stop by and housewarming or something like that. And so coming back into the office and closing with us and we get to see our clients as you know, I think a, a great thing, but also the flexibility with, if you don't want to come to the office, we have options to make it as easy and as comfortable on you as you would like. Right. 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 Yeah. I always say I, I can't close someone in the middle of the ocean with no internet. That's pretty much it. Have you gotten that question? <laughs> on a cruise. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. I had some, I've had some weird ones, but I mean, we can literally, I mean, we can uh, DocuSign a cash buyer. We can remote on online notarize either a POA for someone else to sign for a seller or yeah. a seller directly, right. depending on the lender. If it's cash, we can do a complete electronic closing if everybody wants to do that. Um, and then there's a couple lenders that have complete um, e-notarized yeah. uh, packages. I think Thrive and Guaranteed Rate are the two that come to mind yeah. for me, but they Those can do. We can Makes also that do really complete, easy. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, we can do remote signings. Okay. Um, okay, so I want to kind of, I got a couple more things that I want to ask y'all about before we wrap up today. Um, I know that there are things that change the process that would provide a hiccup during the contract to close process, right? So I want to kind of talk about what those could be and how we work through them, right? So we kind of had this conversation We've and we've kind of touched on this a little bit already, not knowing right who owns the house or if they're with us or if they're still together and happy and all of those things. Right. But you know, the changes of a lender in the middle of the deal or the forbearance that we're starting to, well, we've already started dealing with. Yes, right? right. So why don't you guys, you want to take this one kind of Kelly and kind of expand on that a little bit. Rachel jump in and whenever you want kind of thing. So, I, I mean, I would think that the main thing um, that I've dealt with recently is just finding out that there's a deceased person yeah. Um, involved. Um, so that's something that we really want to coach our agents, you know, like we discussed before, just mm -hmm. like notifying us up front if, if there is a deceased person. You know, um, recently I found out that, you know, someone's wife had passed away from COVID. And um, the, I know, it's so sad. So, you know, the way that I found out is I was reviewing the file for closing and I saw that, you know, he filled out his seller information and it said on there that his marital status had changed since he acquired the property. And I didn't see, you know, that we found a divorce or anything like that, you know, so I had to call the seller and I just, you know, told him, I saw that your marital status has mm -hmm. changed. Can you, you know, tell me a little bit about that? 
And he proceeded to tell me that his wife passed away from COVID. So that was just a really uncomfortable, you know, phone call for me. That poor for, for poor him, man, you know. You know, yeah. uh, you know, obviously I was very empathetic to his situation. Sure. But, you know, we just like to avoid those types of, of phone calls. And it just yeah. helps if we know up front. Plus, I mean, at that stage, you know, in the transaction, then we had to scramble. Mm-hmm. So there was no will. There was no probated will. So airships come into play. If there, if the death is less than a year, there's, you know, additional underwriting requirements that have to be met. So, you know. Does it delay closing? I mean, it could very well delay closing. Yeah. Um, in this case, it didn't, but it, it could. Yeah. Definitely. So these are just things that we have to know up front. You know, it's also nice to know, you know, sometimes people aren't divorced, but they're about to be divorced. Right. So, um, it's just kind of nice for us to know that up front too. Um, especially if we're closing them and we walk into the closing room and, and, you know, we don't know that. Um, and we walk in and, you know, like one of the first things that I ask people, so like, Hey, where are you guys moving to? And if they tell me like separate places, <laughs> you know, it like makes for a really well. This yeah, also happened to makes me. for like a really uncomfortable, yeah, you know, yeah, conversation. Sure. So those things are always good to know. I think it's really, really, uh, it's such a blessing that you guys know how to react on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> no emotion whatsoever. Moving on to the next subject. <laughs> We can definitely tell you some stories about oh, the closing room. No, I but promise we're you. Need a glass of wine for that. Yeah, that's like a, that's like a whole another episode. Tales of the closing room. Tales I promise of the you. closing room. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Rachel, you want to talk about like changes in lender, forbearance, you know, some of yeah, the other things um, that could delay. I can touch on forbearance, you know, sometimes, you know, our, our seller information or in here application does ask people if they, in the past couple of years or yeah. at all have, you know, filed for forbearance with their current mortgage servicer. Um, sometimes we, when we pull title initially, we don't see that and it will pop up or, you know, when another good thing for listing agents to ask, Hey, have you done this process? A lot yeah. of people did it. A lot of people took advantage of it when they didn't even need to do it. So don't think about, yeah, they don't think about talking about it, but you know, we all of a sudden have this second lien we have to pay off. Yeah. And And that is what it is. Well, yeah. It's a second lien. And it can put a seller in a position if they didn't understand the process properly in a position to even bring money to closing. How many people do understand what it meant? Um, I can tell by how surprised people are when Uh we call them with the information that they do not understand the process like 99% of the time. Yeah. They don't, they, they, you know, I think they tell them you'll make it up on the back end, but what they do is actually file that second lien. Um, (laughs) And the interest is pretty high on it. Yeah. So it can put, you know, where, where they thought they were going to buy a house and they don't have that equity anymore to do that. I've had that several times as well. So it's super important for us to get that information up front. Um, again, a lot of the times they don't even have any clue that it's there. So, man, I mean, what if you were like contingent on another property and you had all this money that you thought you were going to get and you don't get that money now? Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, it's, you know, we're making light about a lot of these things, but right now, and you know, it's great while we're sitting around the table talking about them, but some of these poor people, yeah, it's tough conversations. Um, so I think, you know, just kind of outlining the major things that could cause a hiccup. We are seeing changes in lenders. We are seeing, you know, just information that we didn't know, you know, something else I've 
uh, seen quite a bit lately. And I think it's just because, you know, people purchased recently and see how much they can sell their house for. But new builds that were purchased last year in which we didn't have a tax bill for, mm. those numbers have to be negotiated upon. And it's usually negotiated upon after the fact. We don't have a tax bill from the previous year to use to prorate taxes. So I've had a lot of people that purchased last year. We have nothing final. And then the agents have to go back and forth and agree upon something to prorate the taxes on. And that's a big question mark right now because uh, the, yeah, the, it goes the values are going up. Unimproved land to yes, the full Yes, correct. Right. Not yeah. only that, but I mean, it's going to be, you know, you're buying it how much over and you know, the buyer doesn't want to, yeah, they're like, well, I don't think this is going to work. And I mean, it's just a it's a battle right now. So yeah. if you are, you know, listing a new build, it's something that you guys need to talk about prior to executing your contract, what the agreed upon tax prorations will be. Yeah. And I think it's really good that truck came out with the requirement to disclose a PID um, because, mm -hmm. you know, and I've talked about this on previous podcasts where there was just little to no information. I mean, I live in a new construction neighborhood mm -hmm. and I'm on our group Facebook page and people are like, what's a PID after they bought their house? You yeah. know? <laughs> what does that mean for me? It's you know, hard because they're all different animals too. I get yeah. really generalized questions about PIDs, MUDs and everything, but they're all different. So yeah. It, yeah, I mean, we can, if we've closed a file in the past, we have information sure. on it in our system that we can help people out with. But if we haven't and it's new or something like that, I mean, we're, we got to try to figure it out together. Yeah. The information. Yeah. I think, I, I think I like the fact that they're requiring disclosure on that because yeah. I, I love my builder sales reps, but it isn't something that's talked about by the builder sales reps because, no. you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's intentional or not, but of course they want to sell the house and you know, who wants to talk about tax rates? Right. <laughs> yeah. Especially where we all live. Because right. we're all up north <laughs> yeah, where all right. of these uh -huh. things are, you know, I, we live in Salina and Kelly lives in Prosper. So we did deal with this kind of stuff mm -hmm. all of the time. Yeah. Um, Okay, so we're, we we have a contract, and we, we've already talked about earnest and options, so let's talk about the T-47. Tell everybody what a T-47 is and how they need to execute it, right? Because we're having some, we're seeing some common threads. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to tell them? Okay. Flip a coin. Okay. Uh, so the T-47 affidavit is a sworn affidavit signed by the seller to attest to any changes if we're using an existing survey that they have. Yep. Um, some of the issues we see, well, number one, we cannot notarize. No one can notarize an electronically signed document. It and has it has to, to be notarized. Has, yes, and yes. it has to be notarized. It's an affidavit. Um, so I'll just leave it at that. It needs to be live signature with a notary. And we're happy to take care of that if you want to swing by the office. But, um, you know, typically you can find someone in your neighborhood to help you with it. You know, somebody... In Let's your, in your family, in your life, Facebook yes. pages, <laughs> or maybe your realtor is yeah. a notary. That would be helpful too. Yeah, um, we've seen a lot. Anyhow, of that. Um, I see mm -hmm. a lot of. Um, I don't have one in front of me, so sorry. Um, a lot of people list the date they acquired the property as the date on the survey, but the date on the survey actually, or sorry, the date on the T-47 actually has to match the certification date. So the date that the survey was performed. Wait that, a minute. What are they doing? So when, when a seller, let's say our survey is from 2006 and our seller, our, our current seller on this contract bought in 2008, well, they have to say there's no changes from 2006 when the survey was completed. Sure. So two years, they didn't own that property. So if they can't attest that there's no changes and we okay. can't use that existing survey, we're relying on the seller to give us information on whether or not there's any changes. And if they're not able to do that, then guess what? We need a new survey. Got it. Okay. So um, we see a lot of people putting the wrong date in that. And if that happens, we typically will reach out to a seller and say, 
can you please attest there are no structural changes since the sort of this date, the certification yeah. update on the survey. And a lot of the time we get feedback. Well, I don't know. I didn't live there then. Well, then we, we really, we can't use it. Yeah. So, well, and it's just people not reading through it. Sure. So, and it's a, it's long and wordy. So I mm-hmm. get that. Um, another issue we see is that there's a spot where they actually have to list changes mm-hmm. or list none. Right. So either there's changes and you know what they are and you list in there or you list none. A lot of people just leave it blank. That's what I was saying. And right. again, I was say, we'll be yeah. reaching out to your seller to ask, yeah. have there been any changes? Oh, just a pool. No big deal. I'm oh, like, well, that, yes, is a, that is deal. a big deal. <laughs> now we need a new survey. Right. Um, and a lot of people don't really understand what constitutes a structural change, which we're happy to answer those questions. But or educate our realtors more on what those are. Um, I think we have some information on our website about that anyways but yeah. um but anyways if, if someone wants to ask we're happy to to help them with that but it really needs it's it's always a point of contention in our contract and also per our contract a survey and properly executed t47 have to be delivered within the prescribed time period in the contract not That's one or the other kids, both, both of them together in a properly executed version buyers agents are getting smarter when it's not notarized when it's not filled out properly they can request one at the seller's expense because they didn't do it properly. So, and then we have upset people. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I think that was a really big golden nugget for our realtor partners is to make sure that you've got those things together, properly executed, delivered within the parameters of the contract. I, I tell my, I tell my people a lot, you know, if you have a listing coming up, just have them stop by our office. They can fill out everything with us if they want to Yeah. and avoid all of it after contract. Then we have it all. And my girls will send it out with the critical dates letter when we first get our contract and it's done. And then you guys can go to lunch and the yeah. beautiful restaurants at the star. Cause that's where. All <laughs> <it is. laughs> okay. Well, before we wrap up, do you think there is, are there any last pieces of advice or things that you want to leave our realtor lender partners with for today? Hmm. Did we cover everything? I feel like we covered Everything. Yeah, we did. We covered a lot of ground. Okay. Even things not on our notes. I know I do that sometimes. <laughs> I think it's something and I want to ask. And so right. anyway, but, um, and we, you know, I think that we need to probably do this more on a regular basis because I think that updates are good. Updates are yeah. good. And, and the amount of knowledge that you two have that you can share with our partners about, you know, contract issues or, you know, just anything contract close. I think it's super important. You guys are in the office all the day, all the time and working on, you know, most of, most of what you guys do is work on what's coming in the door, but sharing some of this information, common practices, best practices is super important. So I reserve the right to, uh, drag you back in here. <laughs> you know what? You know, I, I have a suggestion. What would be great is if we could get like some feedback, you know, okay. on this particular podcast, like what do people want to hear about? Yeah. You know, I mean, I know title insurance isn't, you know, the most <laughs> provocative, you know, subject, but you know, insurance? like what, what do people want to hear about? Yeah. And we'll be glad to like come back on and, and talk about what people want to hear about. And well, maybe mean, next time I'll bring a realtor and a lender and we can all just okay. hash it out. Yeah, definitely. Talk about what's going on. Love um, it. But anyway, until then, I think we'll go ahead and wrap up today. Thank you guys for joining us on another episode of Spilling the LT. Again, I'm your host, Tamara Gady. And again, if you like 
my content, you're going to love my escrow team. So I hope you'll give us an opportunity to earn your business. Make sure that you go on to all of my social media platforms, like, comment, share, subscribe, tell us what you want to hear about next. Make sure you do a video and make it a great day. Thank you.